Welcome to G Talk. dedicated to helping you discover your purpose by helping you build intimate relationships and a lifestyle of thankfulness. Listen to us today as we discuss a new challenging topic aimed to encourage you and to challenge you, but most importantly, to build you up in your relationships with each other and with God. Stay tuned. Welcome to G-Talk with your hosts, Terrence and Adira Clark. This is Terrence coming to you again today. Just wanting to uh, thank you once again for just being a part of G-Talk and the things that we do and offer here in G-Talk. Today we feel like we really have a treat for you. We are going to be spending some time, we do some teachings on Saturday night. That's part of what we call the living room. And in this teaching, we do some really in-depth study, some in-depth teaching. And we'd like to make those available right here on the G Talk uh, podcast. We felt like the depth of, of study and the importance of the topic lends to wanting to just make it available. We have those who have been asking how can they get a hold of them. And so we're making them available here on the G Talk podcast. Now remember, normally in the G Talk podcast, we're talking about a 20 to 25 minute podcast, but these in-depth uh, teachings are really gonna last about an hour and a half, They're about 90 minutes long. And so much longer, like I said, they're really in-depth. Uh, so we may have to, you may have to listen to them over you know series of, of times together, but I think you'll be really encouraged and blessed, especially the topic we're dealing right now with kingdom tithing, and it really takes you through the history of what tithing and where it came from, and how you and I can really be tithing today. How should we really be giving? What does that really look like? Is there really any connection between what God established early? In the, ch- in the church or even before the church with, it, with Israel? Is there really any connection between that and what we're doing today? We're going to look at that and really walk you through the process of how we got to where we are today and hopefully encourage you and, and really what does tithing look like in 2021? Really, what should it look like? What, what should you and I be doing and how should we be doing that? I, f- I think you'll find that it's, fa- it's a fascinating teaching. And as a result, it's not, gonna, it's not a short teaching. It's going to be four separate chapters, right? Four separate podcasts here of about an hour and a half each. So really encourage you to dig in. I think you'll be blessed. I think you'll be encouraged. And uh, so it's following right here, right now. And I hope you enjoy it. Lord bless you. Tonight, we've really come to this place, right? It's like we have been looking at generosity uh, over the last few weeks. We've been talking about uh the Lord's generosity, his goodness, and charity, and bringing them together. And so to, tonight, we're going to bring the third chord, right? Three chords. Uh, you have generosity, you have charity, and then you have tithing. And they, they form a chord. They, they form a bond uh, in scripture. And so this is a big night because it's a big time to share this information because it's going to, I know it's going to challenge all of us and I'm prepared. This is, 
there's a ton of information. And so I, I hope you come ready to dig because we are going to move around and we're going to look at the scriptures. And before we get there, let me just set the stage and continue to get us ready for where we're going to go tonight. So, um, you know, we've been, you know, we've been kind of bringing us up to this place, right? And getting ready and it, it's the Lord's heart. And I want us to remember generosity, um, the generosity piece that the Lord, it's so important. I think I said the generosity, charity, and tithing. Did I say that also? Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Okay. So, right. The three chords, right. Yeah, the three, the three pieces that make a chord. So, you know, it's important that we understand the heart of the Lord because this is just such an area. You know, I was having this, this talk with my son, Micah, this week. And uh, I don't know, you know, we were, I was talking about um, the Marvel movies and I was asking him, I said, you know, it's interesting that it feels like that in many ways, the, you know, these movies that they have put together for those of you that know, they put together, I don't know how many movies it was. It was like 22 or 22 movies over the last, I don't know, 10 years or whatever it's been. I forgot all the numbers. But all these different pieces they brought together. And I, it's like, I was, I was telling them, I said, why does it feel like they are more in touch with what's happening? And, and the fact that they're, you know, what they were talking about is this reset in these movies. And, you know, and, you know, that you, know, you got the Spider-Man and, and these are, you know, these are superhero movies, but, but they, they kind of brought them all together, right? And different pieces of it and brought them together. But the idea was kind of like, how is it that it feels like sometimes Hollywood is in touch with really what's happening, whether, are, you know, and we were kind of talking, it's like, are they, are they partly, are they helping in this process or are they, um, uh, you know, in tune in some way, but it's funny because we were, it's one of them areas where I really believe that we are in a, that God is in a reset. And we've talked a little bit about this, that God is in the middle of kind of resetting the church. And I know the world wants to reset it to the way they want to go, but God is really setting us up for reset to where he's taking his kingdom and where he's desiring to go. And we know that it's going to go the way he's desiring for it to go is just that it's maybe looks a little bit different than what many of us think it's supposed to, how it's supposed to look. But the main purpose of this study is what I'm calling, you know, the, the reset into the kingdom age. We've been talking about that. Uh, we're, we're shifting, we're shifting out of the, out of the church age and into the kingdom age. And uh, with the reset, I believe the Lord is adjusting and redirecting his remnant to proclaim the good news of his kingdom and then to prioritize his teachings. And one of the things that, that, has, that has to happen is that we must, we, we've got to be able to shed some mindsets that are rooted in poor teaching, incorrect doctrines, and misguided prior, priorities. And one of the biggest ones is understanding his generosity, his charity, and tithing. And these all are linked together. And so there's, there's these pieces, you know, these pieces that we have been talking about 
and trying for us to understand that we have a generous, we have a generous God, a generous father that has instituted and put together this whole package where there is generosity and there is charity and tithing and all of them really, they're really together and you can't take them apart. And it's as, as though in the church, we've taken them apart. It's like, we don't see, we haven't real, realized that in his, in, in the scriptures, in the Hebrew, in, in, the, in the Jewish culture, the three are together. And you can't say and do one without the other. And there's constantly this, this, this putting together of these three elements uh, and one without the other doesn't exist. And so tonight, we're gonna we're we're really adding probably the biggest one. Uh, in my opinion, tithing is the most misunderstood and abused teaching in the church. Uh, I personally uh, have heard some of the most outlandish, manipulative teaching on the subject. Some people are very sincere, while others use it to manipulate and to instill greed within the body of Christ, and. It's a very difficult uh, subject to tackle because the scripture is is so it's 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 all it's in such a different it's all over the scriptures. I mean, it's in such different ways. I think it's difficult for people to kind of put it all together, and and we're going to get to that. But let me sh just to show you what I'm talking, what I'm what I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you five examples right now about tithing that you thought you knew, but you probably don't. Okay. So here they are. Did you know tithing did not consist of giving money? That was number one. Tithing did not consist of giving money. Number two, did you know that the total tithe given was not 10%? Did you know that tithing did not originate in the Bible? Did you know? That when Jesus fed the multitudes, the excess food that was left over was used for tithing. Did you know first fruits is not a tithe? And the Bible does not stipulate an amount to be given with first fruits. So these five examples, which we're going to cover as we go through this study, chances are that. If, if not one, there's probably several, if not all, that you didn't know, that you probably thought based on what you've been taught through the years that, that you understood or knew what these, what these things were. And we're going to look at that uh, and we're going to go through this a little bit and so that we can really get a clear understanding of what God's picture of tithing and giving charity generosity, you know, all these pieces, how they work. Now, I want to, I want to tell you up front, there's some things that we want to, I want to, I want to lay out for us. Number one, that I'm going to have to tear down the way that we have been taught tithing so that I can build it back up again. Okay. So just understand tonight's going to be a tear down. And I'm and don't worry because when we get when we get back, you're gonna we're gonna fully understand it on the right foundation, right? It's like it's like we have it's like we have built this foundation 
and we have built tithing on a foundation that really it should not be on. And I'll explain that kind of as we go. But what, so the only way to fix this is for us to tear this down. And so please understand that I'm not tearing tithing down, that I'm not going to obliterate it, that when I get done messing with the foundation, we're going to come back and we're going to reestablish it on a correct foundation. Okay. So, um, so that's the first thing I want to kind of get in. So many, many believers are confused and living in guilt and or shame uh, while feeling condemnation over their giving habits based on what they've been taught, what they've been told, the things that maybe just how they're struggling or not struggling, but there's certain things in which I know because I've talked to many and many and many of them through the years, you know, where you have people that say, well, you know, I've been a faithful tither and why am I not blessed? And then have people on the other side that say, you know, I've not been faithful, so I know I'm cursed. You know, <laughs> it's like, so it's like, let's, we're, we're needing to like put this in to the proper context and understanding what the heart of the Lord in this, in this topic really is. So for, for instance, one of the, one of the things, uh, one of the huge teachings that we need to pull down, that we need to, you know, talk about, and I'm going to just start with it tonight before, as, we're, as we're getting into to this teaching. So here's a big one, just to give you an example. There's a teaching that says um, that our finances are cursed when we fail to give. And then, they, and then the, quote, the, the scripture is used is Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? And I think we've probably all heard the Malachi 3.8, right, passage. So let me just say two things about this. And the rest you'll, you'll, you'll get as we start going through the teaching. And we'll kind of deal with it. But let me just say two things. First, when, when they teach that passage, when they use that passage, it's being used out of context in the sense of, they're not even bringing in usually chapters one and chapters two. And there's a whole thing that's occurring at that time. And we're going to, like I said, we're going to, we're kind of going to get to it, but there's a reason why I'm bringing this up. So it's, it's also, it's taught without regard for the heart of God. And that's the real piece I'm, I'm trying to get across is what his intentions are concerning giving. There's no other teaching in the church today that brings a curse to his children except failing to give money. And that alone should tell you that something's wrong with the teaching. I mean, just think about this because, you know, you can be a, you know, you can be a, just a, a, a very difficult person to your neighbor, but as long as you're tithing, you're okay, right? You can be a murderer, but as long as you're tithing, you're okay. There's never, we never, talk about cursing anybody except in this one area in in tithing and just on a very practical level and i'm just wanting to be i'm, I'm going to be i'm going to be practical but at the same time i'm going to be i'm just trying to make some points but i'm going to get into into some teaching but this one i just want to kind of start with and there's not going to be a lot of time where i really kind of deal specifically with some of these but this one 
you know, I want to talk about just for a second, because I just want to talk about it on a practical level. Because if someone says something like that, it's, it's so easy to be practical in the sense of, so let's just look at it practically because we can actually look at data. I'm kind of a numbers guy. And so we can actually, we can actually look at that based on, on some numbers. And, and what I mean is, is this, like, so the teaching behind that theory, that thinking, that, that, that teaching, right, says that people who do not tithe that their finances are cursed. So that would then mean that um, we should be able to look at the numbers and see, is, is that true? Actually, I've got the numbers right here. <laughs> there, these are right, I've got them right here and it's not true. So what is this? Okay, now this is, I, I just printed this off. I've got this, it's, I've got, this has a colored data sheet and I just wanna thank, um, uh, you know, I, this, this data I got from someone else who was do, using it, it was out of a book for someone else. Um, what's his name? I um, can't even think of his name right now. I'll think of, of, of his, uh, Kurt Landry, thank you. So I just wanna thank Kurt Landry. This is from one of his books. It wasn't on this subject, it was on something else, but I took the data, put it together and, and used it in order to show this. So on this chart, this is basically a data sheet that shows the success ratings of every group in our nation. Those who are most successful are those here on the left and those who are least successful are there on the right, okay? So it kind of works through our, our whole nation and it shows the, the groups based on what they believe and their success. So who do you think is all the way on the left here? The most successful group in America, Jewish. <laughs> are you surprised? <laughs> I, I, I heard, I was listening to a rabbi one, one day and he was saying that, he says the reason why he believes that they are, that Jewish people are so successful, he says it's because God, he said, because God taught us the principles of how to use money and he says, we have passed this down from generation to generation. And we continue to obey what he says we should do with it, how we should spend it, how we should use it. And the data continues to show that. But here's the interesting thing is that if you, you would think based on that teaching, right? Because this, this is where we're going to start. We're starting here. Based on that teaching, you should, we should see Christians very high, right? At least, at least, at least uh, um, tithing Christians, right? Isn't it interesting, though, right here, the fifth group down, one, two, three, four, five, is atheists. Atheists are the fifth most successful group in our, in our, in our country. And the next to them, are the agnostics. And next to them, we, right here we've got, I need my glasses. <laughs> um, 
uh, right? Like this right here, uh, we're almost we're, we're working towards the better, the second half towards the back. We've got people that have nothing in particular. They don't believe these people here don't believe really anything. Isn't it interesting that all the evangelical groups are down here? We have the Southern Baptists who were here. We have Assemblies of God who are further down here. We have the American Baptists who were here. We have Church of God in Christ right here, third to the last. And then the National Baptist Convention, which is the other black denomination here. And you know who's very last on the list? Jehovah Witnesses. <laughs> Interesting. I know they tithe. <laughs> so based on what this teaching says, and that's all I am trying to, and I realize that what the world says is successful may not be successful in the kingdom. I understand that. I'm not trying to turn this into a, you know, a, you know, what do you, how do you consider success and da, 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 da. I, I do understand, but I'm just talking in generalities here that atheists who we know do not, they don't tithe. And yet there's the, the data is showing something different than what we've been led to believe about being, you know, cursed or blessed. And I'm only trying to say that it's not true. Okay. And when we get done over the next few weeks, you're going to understand why. And we're going to look at this real in a practical level, but we're going to look at it through the scriptures and, and see the importance of what God is wanting to do in your life and in my life. And so, you know, my goal is to bring clarity and focus. And I, but I also want to dispel some of these myths that we have continued to perpetuate and say and teach um, so that healing and deliverance can occur. That's my purpose. But most importantly, believers can give the way God really intended them to give and that we can then live generous lives like our heavenly father is. He's generous and he wants us to be generous. And so we are going to look at this. And so let me give you a rundown of how we're going to go through this process. Okay, tonight, we are going to look at the foundation of tithing. We're going to look at the, the Old Testament scriptures, Old Covenant, what it says in the Torah. Okay, that's Matthew, Matthew Mark, Luke, John, right? Gospels. No, the Torah is, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. For the most part, tithing, there are a few passages in Genesis, but for the most part, we're gonna, we're, what we're, what we're going to focus on is what does the, the Torah, what does the Old Testament teach us concerning what tithing is? That's what we're going to focus tonight. Next week, we will then look at um, 
well, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that when we get to the end. But tonight, I want to look at what does the record say? Because <clears throat> tithing is something that we all, that we, what we need to understand is that the Lord delivered this, this teaching to the Jews. He gave it to them. And so we, we need to understand it from the perspective of what it was that he originally taught. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. And I just want you to understand that, you know, I was trying to figure out, you know, how are we going to put this together over how many, it came out to about three weeks I'm thinking it's going to take. And so let's, let's take a look and begin to dig into this very, very challenging topic. And it really is because when you look at, when you look at the way it's written, for the most part, it's in, it's in um, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and it's like spread all over. It's not in like one location. And I think that's what's made it very difficult for Gentiles as we have tried to understand tithing. I think it, uh, it's, been, it's difficult because it's not just written in one place. It's, it's kind of spread over. And I, I've, it's like, I'm not sure why we've not just gone and asked, but the Jews, and I just want to give, I, I want to say that, uh, you know, I've read a, a number of documents, I've read a number of books, and, but I do want to just, again, reach, just say um, to First Fruits of Zion, I mean, that has been one of my main sources here recently, and to uh, Toby uh, Janicki, who has written a book, a great book on tithing, um, because they have put it in a way that anyone can understand it and help us to really um, put all those passages together. And so I do, you know, I do want to say that a lot of my information tonight is going to come from, from what he, has, uh, he and they, First Fruits of Zion, have taught. So uh, with all of that, let, let's jump in. So first of all, to understand the foundation, we need to understand that the records, the, there are records that show that tithing was actually happening in the ancient East at least 200 years prior to God instructing Israel to tithe. But we also see other hints of tithing taking place. But it's important for us to understand this because sometimes, you know, in our, in our, in our, in our church thinking, we think that everything came from scripture and that everything came from, you know, what God was saying. And it does, it, it did come from, in terms of what the way Israel was doing it, it did come from the Lord. But it's important to understand that this was already being done by other, other nations. They were already taking property that was being, that were like spoils of war, and they were setting portions aside from that and and records show that this was you know like i said hundreds of years before uh we know that the egyptians were known to give two tenths to pharaoh as a tithe and the syro-palestinians gave tithes for the temple and they gave it to their kings and their officials so it's just important for you and i to understand that tithing 
was actually not a new concept when Moses came from, from you know, from um, the, the mountain and said, okay, this is what the Lord is asking us to do. This was already very common. And since they were coming out of Egypt, it would not have been a surprise. It would not have been a new concept. It would have been something that they knew about and that they had seen while in Egypt. So the first thing, and now in scriptures, obviously the first time we see this is in, is in Genesis chapter 14. When Abraham gives tithes, um, and I just want to go there. Let me, let's go to, to Genesis chapter 14 and verse 21 for a second. I just want to, um, Genesis chapter 14, verse 21. And you know, sometimes I get, let me get, we get jumping. Let me just, let me just stop for a minute and just bless the Lord. Father, I thank you that as we're digging into your word tonight, that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive it and hear that we maybe would be challenged, Lord. But I ask you right now that you would speak, Lord, your words, your truth to each one of us so that we understand your scripture and that all of us can grow and move into the place that you're calling us in this day and in this hour. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, in teaching us your word. For we know, Lord, that you want us to be your kids who bring forth your kingdom on the earth. And so teach us about how we are to give so that we can honor you in this area and bless you in Jesus' name, amen. So it's interesting here that in... Um, Genesis chapter 14, verse 21. Well, let me back up to 20. Or at least the end of 20. And Abraham gave him, who did he give? He gave Melchizedek. 18 starts with Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him, that's Abraham blessed him, or excuse me, and he blessed Abraham, blessed be Abraham by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, now let me, I didn't, I didn't line this up. Let me quickly, if you remember the story, this happened. When Lot was living in Sodom, they were, there was a war. And these kings came and took, took captives from Sodom and several other cities. Abram went and fought in order to get his nephew back. So he went and took on, he had 318 guys. <laughs> That's all he had, 318 guys. And they went and completely obliterated these five kings. And he put, took, every, took all the stuff back and he got his, got his nephew Lot back. And this is when Melchizedek comes and he then, it says, and Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. And then it says this, and the king of Sodom said to Abram, 
give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. So <clears throat> Abram has gotten all these spoils, right? He basically, they came, they, they, they took, I think it was four cities, took everything of theirs. Abraham gets it all back. Rightfully, it's his. But it's important for you to see something that in the Torah, when a new character is introduced, many times the words that are used to describe the first words out of these people, out of that character's mouth, is oftentimes put there in order for you to understand the character that you were dealing with. It's an important concept that I learned listening to, to the rabbis. Because one of the things that they say is that you have to understand that the Old Testament was not written as a history book. It's written to teach us something. It's teaching. So if whatever is being said is being said for a reason to teach you something. So I want you to notice that in verse 21, the very first words out of the king of Sodom's mouth is, give me. You see that? Verse 21. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me. Give me the persons. And it's the king of Sodom had a problem with greed. That's why I'm really wanting us to understand the, the centerpiece around, yeah, the backstory of, of what's happening. He is, he is filled with greed. And therefore, all he could see is taking and getting things for himself. But what you and I need to see is Abraham who was a man of generosity. Why was he a man of generosity? Well, we'll look at him. He is giving tithe. He's generously giving tithe to Melchizedek. I don't, sometimes I'm not sure that we, have, that we understand. I don't think it's something that maybe talked about where we understand what the history, what is known about Abraham. The generosity of Abraham, that this was a man who, whose life, okay, if you can, if the, what the history books have, are say, have said about Abraham is that he was a man that spent his life um, introducing people to Yahweh that he spent his life being generous. It's like, you know, the scripture tells us that he was a very wealthy man. 
But what it doesn't tell us and what the history books, right, what the Jews have kept track of is that they, have, they say that he was one of the most generous men that he gave. He was constantly looking for ways to be a blessing to other people, to give them. What was that, hon? Yeah. Well, you know, it tells us that when, if you remember, when the Lord came to him, remember when the Lord came to him in, in uh, when um, he wanted to tell him that uh, Sarah was going to have a baby and to tell him that he was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. The three, the three angels came, right? The Lord, right? The Lord with the three angels came. And it says that Abraham was sitting outside of his tent. They said that was a standard. Now, remember, they were living in a place that was 120 degrees. It was hot all the time. And Abraham was sitting and he saw them come. They, what, the, what the story is, they say, is that that's what he did. He sat, he positioned himself all the time in a place so that if he saw people that had need, he could run and be a blessing. He could help them. And you see that very thing. It says that when those angels showed up, he ran and told Sarah to get some food going. He told his guy he went and got a, he went and got a, 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 a you know, a, a, I think it was a, I don't think it was a lamb. I think it was a goat. Gave it to one of his guys to go and he, to fix a meal for these guys. That was the generosity of Abraham. Remember, that's it's kind of it's important for us to understand greed aside from the generous heart and this generous spirit that Abraham possessed, and how God was able to bless him. Because he had a heart of generosity and because he so was so desired to be a blessing. Even, I mean, there's some, there's a lot of little stories. I don't, I don't have to tell them, time to tell them all tonight, but um, so this is the first place that we see Abraham's generosity. And that's what the scripture is, is showing us. It's showing us the contrast between Abraham's generosity and the greed that was a part of, of, of Sodom. And the th here's the thing that most of us know, most of us think we know why Sodom was destroyed. We'll say, well, you know, at least I did. I thought, okay, you know, Sodom was destroyed because they were in sexual perversion. You know, they were, they were a nation that, you know, a, a city that was, you know, just completely wicked, and they were. But I want you to go to Ezekiel 16, because Ezekiel 16 tells us why they were really destroyed. So Ezekiel 16, and verse 49. Ezekiel 16, verse 49 says this, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. They were haughty and did an abomination before me, so I removed them when I saw it. 
That's the Lord's words about Sodom. That because they were prideful and because they did not help with the poor and the needy first. They had plenty to eat. They had plenty of excess. And history uh, says, according to Jewish um, sages, they, told, they tell the story of a little girl who had um, saved and wanted to be a blessing to help someone in, in Sodom. She wanted to be a blessing. And I forgot who she was trying to help. Do, I don't know if you remember, Adira, who she was trying to help. Yeah, she had put something in her pocket to be a blessing, some money. And when they, and they found this from her and they, they uh, covered her in honey and hung her up for bees to sting her. And she was killed that way. And they said that that was like the final straw when the Lord said, okay, this is when now I'm, 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 I've had it with Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, that's not to make light of the fact that, yes, they also had, and, and, and as mentioned there, they also had sexual perversion that was happening that we're very all very aware of. But it's important for you and I to begin to understand that God really takes generosity very, very serious, and especially with helping with those who have needs. And it is so a part of who he is and what he does that it become that we need to understand um, the value that he places there. It plays a great deal around how you and I are able and, and what he want and what he will do in with us and through us, through how we are a blessing to people around us. So <clears throat> The second place is in Genesis 28, when Jacob makes a vow to tithe. Genesis 28, verses 20. Let's just go there real quick. I told you tonight we're going we're gonna to run, because I want you to see it. I don't want to just preach it to you and tell you, oh, yeah, it's there. I want us to take some time tonight. So it's going to take us a little bit longer to, to go and do this. And I may not go through everyone, but, but I, do want you to, I do want us to take the time to see it so that we can start putting some things together. Genesis chapter 28, verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And all of that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Now, this is an interesting, this is an interesting word. And the Jews are in the Hebrew, they're conflicted. <clears throat> they're not quite sure, but here's what it says. In Hebrew, what it says is tithing or tithe, I shall tithe. 
And so the thinking is that he was actually making a promise to give 20% because he says tithe, I shall tithe. And so there's been some debate as to whether he meant 20 or 10, you know, but in Hebrew, when you, when you put those together like that, it's usually done for a very, for a reason. And so they're thinking that that's really what he was saying. Now, here's what I want to help us to understand tonight that first and first, you know, first bringing these up. So we have Abraham and we have um, Jacob. Both of these individuals made a decision to tithe. And this was done before, this is way before Moses. So this is before God ever said, I want you to tithe. And this is going to be important as we move through later on, as we start getting to it. And, you know, and I'll, I'll bring this back up next week. But it's important for you to understand that this is kind of this is evidence that tithing was already being practiced to some degree, not just by Israel. Again, it's important to understand that not just by Israel, but by the surrounding nations. Some of them, I'm not going to say many, but some of them were tithing. It wasn't a strange practice, but Abraham and Jacob made a generous, God did not ask Jacob to do this. Jacob did this from his, the heart of, from, from a heart of generosity. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek from a heart of, 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 of uh, generosity. And of course, we know later in Hebrews, in the New Testament, where God then talks about Melchizedek being a type or the Lord being, um, you know, a type of Melchizedek and, 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 and so forth. And we'll get to that um, in a few weeks. But anyways, I want to, to lay this groundwork. So let's now look at the requirements, the Old Testament requirements in the Torah for tithing so that you and I understand tithing. And uh, I'm just looking at the time and saying, okay, it, I, I may, I've got a lot of more, I've got a lot of information. So um, let's just go through it. I'm, I may, I, we may not, I may not read them, have you go to all of them, but let's get there. Okay. So God's tithing requirement. Tithing in the Torah was to honor God for his goodness while keeping one, one's heart in a state of humility and submission. Say it again. Tithing in the Old Testament, tithing in the Torah was a way to honor God for his goodness while keeping one's heart in a state of humility and submission. And as we kind of go through, you're going to kind of see why. But the Lord is, was, was, is teaching in through tithing, he was teaching something to the Jews and helping them to remain humble. And we'll see this as we, as we kind of go through it. So, let me set four, let me just set four things, four, four ground rules as we go, as we start looking at the old covenant information on tithing. 
Deuteronomy 14.22 says that tithing was only applicable to crops. Okay, let me, let's just go there. Deuteronomy 14.22. Let's look at it. Deuteronomy 14.22. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. Their tithing law only composed of crops, no money. Now, I know that there will be those who will say, well, tithing, you know, crops were like money and the animals like money. Yes, we do know that. People were considered wealthy because of the size of their crops, and they were considered wealthy by the amount of, you know, animals they had, you know, sheep, goats, uh, donkey, you know, uh, camels. All of that was really important in to, in, when you looked at their estate, you know, what we would call an estate today, the size of their, but they did have money. In fact, if you remember, you remember when Abraham bought the, the, the plot of ground, the, the cave to bury Sarah, right? Yeah, Sarah. He did not give him goats. He gave him gold. It says that he counted out the money to him. So they used money. And yet, God did not require money as a part of tithing. But he only required crops. Okay, that's number one. Two, the crops that were tithed were only crops that were grown in Israel. If you did not live in Israel, then you did not tithe your crops. That's true. Okay, only the only grains, and this is part of two. Also, from the ones of the crops that they were to tithe, they only tithed wheat, barley, oats, spelt, rye, wine, or grapes, and oil, or olives. That was it. Those were the only things that they tithed. Wheat, Barley, oats, spelt, rye, wine, grapes, oil, olives. That was all they were required to tithe from their crops. Okay? Now, I want to remind you, this is the straight tithe law requirements. There were other there were other giving requirements that we're going to get into. There were other giving requirements. I'm just, but this is the straight tithe law, okay? And like I said, it is a very, this is why the church has struggled, I think, in understanding tithing is that it, it is a very, very, um, if you just try to read it, there's no way to figure it all out. That's why the Jew, we need the Jews to explain it to us because they're the only ones. They've been doing it for thousands of years. They understand it very, very well, and they've documented it 
very, very well. And that's why I'm able to share it with you because I got it from them. Okay. So this is really, really important for us to understand. And the um, reason why this is, all of this is really important that we get. So there were other giving requirements that were not part of the tithing law, but, and we'll get to those next week, okay? Leviticus 22, verses 15 and 16 says, Let's go there. This one's a this one's a good one. This one's a, this one's yeah. Le Leviticus 22, 15 and 16. As you can see, these things are all spread around. Leviticus 22, 15, 16. Leviticus 22, starting at verse 15. They shall not profane the holy things of the people of Israel, which they contribute to the Lord. And so cause them to bear, I'm sorry, I, saw, I, need, I think it's 14, I need to go back. And if anyone eats of a holy thing unintentionally, he shall add the fifth of its value to it and give the holy thing to the priest. Eh, that's okay. They shall not profane the holy things of the people of Israel, which they contribute to the Lord. And so cause them, to bear iniquity and guilt by eating their holy things, for I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Do you know what this means? Here's what this is saying. You could not consume food that had not been tithed. You could not consume food that had not been tithed. So I want you to stop and think about this for a second. So if you remember, when Jesus took loaves, a couple of loaves, and a few fish, and he multiplied them so that they could feed thousands of people, that would be considered eating food that had not been tied. He just created it. So what did he do? He made an over an abundance so that he could take that and tithe it. That's what the overabundance was for, so that he could tithe that piece, so that he was staying within. You see, yes, yeah, so he could stay within the law of the tithing requirement that his father had given. This is important because for us in the church, you know, there's been this, this teaching that we sometimes, that at least it's kind of implied that the Lord was not following what God had laid out as a requirement. But he had to. He had to fully live the life that the, that the Torah had asked the Jews to live. And he did. He fully did. He fully lived a life that was righteous. And so he, when he did this, he made sure that they could consume the food or he would be putting everybody in a situation. So, um, so that's the third thing. So right now I've given you three. First of all, tithing was applicable only crops. Two, 
The crops were the only ones that had to be grown in Israel. Three, you could not consume food that had not been tithed. Four, the majority of the laws on tithing are not incumbent upon Gentiles. Let me say it again. The majority of the laws on tithing are not incumbent, incumbent upon Gentiles. That's us. We are not, for the most part, there are a couple, and we'll, we'll look at them later, but when I mean later, I mean like next week. Um, there, are, there are a few that we are, maybe tonight, maybe tonight. I'll, I'll, okay, we'll, we'll see. Um, but the majority of the, of the laws on tithing have nothing, have, are not, they're not on us as Gentiles to do. We do not have to tithe. Because this was something God gave to them to do. Now, remember, I said from the beginning, I am not in any way trying to abolish tithing. Okay. <laughs> well, you pastors are watching, relax. But, you know, <laughs> what I am, like I said, I need to tear it down tonight so that we can build it up in the way that God really intends for it to be built up. And the reality is the way God gave it, the majority of these were not incumbent upon Gentiles, but only Jews. Okay, so those four things you have in your mind. Let's dig. Let's, let's go further. Okay, so let me tell you what the tithes on the crops were. Okay? It's important to understand that the tithe on the crops came to well over 20%. Okay? So in our minds, when we're thinking and we're, and, we're, and we're told all the time about 10%, 10%, 10%, they actually were giving well over 20% of their tithes on their crops. So let's break it down. There were three components to crop tithing. The first one is called a, was a portion of the first fruits, not the first fruits, a portion. It's they gave a portion of the first fruits, and there's a there's a word for it. It's called truma gadola, truma gadola. And I'm probably not saying that the way a Hebrew would say it, but I'm good. I'm, I think for an Englishman, you know, an American, truma gadola. It means a large heave offering. In Deuteronomy eighteen four. Deuteronomy 18.4. Just write these down. This one we can go and look at later. It says that they were to take the first fruits and it was to be given to the priest. But here's the deal. Because I've, we've all heard first fruit messages, right? But here's the deal. If you go and look, we better go look. I want you to see it. Let's go to Deuteronomy 18, verse 4. Deuteronomy 18, verse 4. Deuteronomy 18, verse 4 says this. The first fruits of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the first fleece of your sheep, you shall give him. For the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand and minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons for all time. So, 
the very first thing that was taken when you had a when you had a crop okay it's harvest time you just spent right you just have the you have this humongous crop you were to take a portion of the first fruit of that crop and give it to the priest did you notice that there's something missing in that passage it doesn't tell you how much it doesn't tell you how much. It doesn't tell you a tenth. It doesn't tell you what it's supposed to be. But if you look in Ezekiel, and what the Jews have done is they have taken the word that was spoken by Ezekiel in Ezekiel 45. So let's go to Ezekiel 45. I know I am running you ragged, but this is the, the challenge. And when we get done tonight, I will, I will sum all this up and explain to you, you know, some, some things about what we're, what we're learning tonight. Ezekiel 45. I believe it's 13. Yeah. So what they did is, because God never specified what a first fruit offering is. Now, I've heard some first fruit offering messages. And I'm going to just, be, you know. Well, let's just go here first, and I'll, and I'll come back to some of that. So this is the offering, it says, that you shall make one-sixth of an ephah from each homer of wheat and one-sixth of an ephah from each homer of barley, and as the fixed portion of oil measured in baths, one-tenth of a bath from each core. The core, like the omer, contains 10 baths, and one sheep from every flock of 200 from the watering places of Israel for grain offering, burnt offering, and peace offerings to make atonement for them, declares the Lord God. All the people of the land shall be obliged to give this offering to the prince and Israel. Okay. So, based upon this teaching, the Jews have determined then that the first fruit offering should be no less than 160th of the entire produce. But they were free to give more. 160th. So what, what would happen, this was, okay, this was the very first tithe that was to be taken. And it, it was done before the other tithe. So there's going to be, like I said, there's going to be three tithes. The first one is what I just called the first fruits. The second one's going to be called, it's called the first tithe. And the third one is called the second tithe. Okay. So those are the three tithes. So on this first one, it was rooted in a man's generosity. Why? Because there's, the Lord did not tell him what he needed to give. He was leaving it to their own discretion. They were, he was leaving it to their own generosity. So the very first thing that they did when they got their harvest crop is you were supposed to give your first fruit offering. Your first fruit offering could be whatever you want it to be. It was later that the Jews came in and said, well, let's make it. You know, since there is no number, let's just go ahead and, and set it at no less than 160th. 
but they had a saying about it being, if you were a generous man, you would, you would give up to what, 130th. But if you were a stingy man, you would give 160th. So this is important for us to understand because let's go, let's go to the second one first and then I'll say what I'm going to say. So the second tithe, oh, excuse me, the first tithe. <laughs> so just so let's make it clear. Let me put it in today's, in today's terms. You get paid. The very first tithe would be the first fruit tithe. tithe. And it would be left up to your discretion of what you would give. Whatever you want to give. It's all about your generosity. Just give what you want to give. But later the Jews determined that that should be no less than one sixtieth, not one tenth, one sixtieth. Just to kind of set a, a, a kind of a standard. Then after they gave that tithe, then what was remaining, they then took, according to Numbers, chapter 18, verse 24, this was called the first tithe. It's really the second tithe, but they called it the first tithe, <laughs> okay? And one-tenth of what was left over was given to the Levites. And it was given to the Levites because they had no inheritance and they were unable to grow their own produce. So this, the tithe, was given to the Levites. Now, it's important for you and I to understand, this is probably the main tithe that you and I have been, have been hearing about uh, in the church. You know, when they say, you know, you know, please, you know, you're supposed to give a tithe because you're supposed to give a tithe to the Levite and, and so forth. And I'm not going to address, you know, like I said, you know, we're going to work through this. I'm just, I'm sticking strictly with what God gave as a tithe law to the Jews. But I will say this about this. Because I have heard, you know, when you think about tithing, right? I mean, like I said from the beginning, I have heard many outlandish teachings on tithing through the years. And I, and I completely understand, it's, I, many times I really, there, they, there is true sincerity, true sincerity. And I really believe that in our desire to be sincere, we have become legalistic. Hear me, just, just understand what I'm saying. Because let me give you an example. I've heard some very prominent teachers teach things like, well, it's the first fruit offering, so it has to be first, which means that it has to be the, on the gross and not the net. And um, there are several problems with that. And I'll explain them in a second. But first, let me, let me continue on with the, thing, with the thought. 
He said, and I've, I've even heard of some pastors saying, well, it needs to be first. So you need to give the offering before you spend any of your money in order for it to be the first. And so there is, there has been, and I know that, you know, people saying, well, you know, I've got to make sure. So they'll, they'll have it come automatically out of their checks so that they're make sure that they don't spend anything. And I think, first of all, I appreciate the sincerity that, that people are trying to be. But I think in being sincere, I think they're missing the heart of the Lord in it. Because there's a couple of things. First of all, let's just say, let's go back to a second about taking the gross over the net. If you're a gross, please be free to give. I'm just, I'm just establishing some foundational things here. Be free to give however God giving you to give. It's going to take us a few weeks to go through it, but just out of, just for those who are under, because there's a lot of folks under condemnation and really struggling with guilt, you know, over this whole thing. I know I'm not talking much to you tonight, but uh, you know, I mean, we've met, we've seen a lot of these folks. We've talked to a lot of these people. We've seen the struggle that people struggle with when it comes to their giving. But here's the problem. When we, when we, Let's just say tomorrow the government says, from now on, 90% of your salary is going to be used for taxes. Let's just say they, they up it to everybody in the nation. You're now giving 90% of your, sa your, 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 your salary to taxes. So you're now, putting, you're now saying that people have a 90% that they give to the government and 10% that they're giving to God, and they now have nothing. They have nothing. The, the idea is that we completely misunderstand the heart of the Lord. If you look at, at what he, the Lord just does with what he required of them, they gave the first fruit. He then had them give the first tithe, the 10% off of what was remaining not on what was the gross, but the net. That's what they were giving because the Lord knew. And when we understand the heart of the Lord in this matter, his generosity, his goal was not to rob his kids. His goal was not to keep, put them in a position of fear and doubt. That was not, his, that was not at all what he was trying to do. And I think what ends up has, what has easily transpired is that people have gotten to this place where they are, they are under such weight of guilt to do what they're being told that they don't understand that the heart of the Lord in our giving is really more involved with you and I being participators of being a blessing to those who are around us. And that happens when we are involved in the process. And what I mean by that is, let's say that I'm having my check deducted of my tithe. On first thought, that sounds like really 
really good. And people will say, well, you know, make sure that I don't forget. If you're forgetting, you're proving the point that that's the whole point was that God wanted you to have a regular moment where you and he connect as you give to him. Not only in the sense that you're connecting and you, as you're giving to him, but as you're giving to others, because they're all connected together. And what has happened is in our attempt to just make sure that we do it, oh yeah, it's, you know, it's done, it's taken out automatically, I don't have to think about it. He wants you to think about it. If you're not thinking about it, then you're not, then I, I don't, and I might be getting ahead of myself by a couple of weeks, but I'm gonna show you over the next couple of weeks that you're actually not tithing. <laughs> it's like, you might as well keep it. It's a duty, you're, no, you're, you're, you're not tithing with the heart and passion, exactly, that he was wanting to happen in your giving. And therefore, you're not tithing. You're just giving some money that, you know. So, but let's go to the second tithe so that you can understand it. By the way, just also, just so that you know, that when the Jews gave this first tithe to the priests, excuse me, to the Levites, the Levites then took a tenth of that and gave it to the priest. They also tithed to the priest. So they were tithing. Then there is the second tithe. And this is an interesting tithe that many of us are unaware of. All this was done at the same time, folks. So I want you to understand it was like, it's like, here's, it'd be like this. You get your check. First thing you do is you, you take a first fruit offering and go and bless the priest with that first fruit offering, whatever it is that you wanted to bless him with. That's what you did. Then when you, then after you gave him the money, then you went back in your check and you said, okay, now whatever's left, I'm going to give a tenth. You took a tenth out of that. And then you went and gave that to the Levite. Okay. And then what's left, you would then pay, pay this one. Deuteronomy 14, verse 22. Go there with me. Deuteronomy 14, 22. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year and before the Lord your God in the place that he will choose. To make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe, when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money, Bind up the money in your hand and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there. 
before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. Okay, so what is this second tithe? So the second tithe is another 10%. So you're going to take another 10% of what's left. This tithe was used. Now, remember that the Jews were to have three feasts a year that they were supposed to go to Jerusalem. The men, right? Every year, it was required that every male in Israel would go to Jerusalem. We see Jesus and going there with his, with his parents. We see him going there with his disciples. He made this trip three times a year. And you can follow the scriptures and see him at different seasons and when he was making the trips. Not only him, you can also see the Apostle Paul in his writings in Acts, him saying that he was needing to get to Jerusalem for the feast. They were all following and continuing to honor and be a part of these festivals that God required of everyone who was a part of his family to participate. Right. So this tithe was you took a 10% of your, of your crop and you took it to Jerusalem as your food. So when you went to the festivals, you had something to eat when you went there. Now, if the journey was too far, if you lived a long way and it was going to be too much to carry the food, then you could sell your food. You can sell your crops, take the money. And then when you got to Israel, when you got to Jerusalem, then you could buy whatever you needed so that you can eat and be a part of the festival. In other words, what this was, was a savings plan. It was a savings plan to be used for the celebration of the feast. And that is what God instituted as a part of the tithing. So it wasn't that it went to somebody, it went to yourself, but he wanted to make sure, because you know how people are going, you know, you know how, you know how we all have those family members, right? We all have those people, right? We know them. And it's like, well, why didn't you, you know, it's, it's, it's Christmas. Well, I didn't have no money. I didn't have no money. Christmas, my birthday is the same day every year. It's, it's not a surprise. It, it's not new. You know, Christmas, it's the same day every year, right? All these, these things that we said, I didn't have no, it's like, this was God's way of saying, look, when you get to the festival, I don't want to you saying, oh man, can I borrow $10? You know, hey, man, can I, get, can I get on some of your, I see you guys have an extra lamb over there. Can I get on? No, this was a method to make sure that you weren't borrowing someone else's lamb to eat on. You had to set aside 10% of your crop to feed you. But it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't stop there. Let me explain. This, this second tithe gets a little bit more convoluted. It also was considered the poor tithe. Now, there is a seven-year cycle in the Jewish community, right? We all know Shabbat. In fact, this is the year. This is a Shemitah year. This is a Shemitah year this year. What that means is that the land is in rest this year. It's the seventh year. Every year is a Sabbath year, which means that you were not to 
plant, everything that grows, you just let it grow. And then you just go and everyone is free. In other words, if you have a house and you have fruit and vegetables, you are not to plant anything. And during the seventh year, it was not your yard. It was everyone's yard. Every, anybody can go anywhere they want to. The thing is, you could not take food and store it for tomorrow. You can only take food to eat for the meal right now. So you can go wherever. Everybody just went wherever and ate wherever, from whatever crop that was out there. That's how they lived on the seventh year. And then if it was the 50th year, because <laughs> seven times seven is 49, right? Which means it was two years in a row. You had two years. That's the Shemitah year, the 50th year, isn't it? Seven year, seven year, okay. Seven, so you had the 49th year, which was a Shemitah, and then the, oh, Jubilee. 50th year was Jubilee. So you had a back-to-back -back year every 50 years. Two years where the land went free. Okay, so with that in mind, Understand this about the tithe. So Deuteronomy chapter 26, the entire chapter, I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but if you win, I'd like you to take, take a few minutes and read it. It's not a long chapter, but here's what it does. It reminds them of what they felt like as slaves in Egypt. And what it says is, After they gave their, their first tithe, right, to the Lord, they were to remember those who were in need, and they were to give to them. So here's the way, here's the way it worked. In the third year and the sixth year of the seven-year cycle, they were to give this tithe. This 10% was to go to, in, to those who were in need the widows and the orphans, the Levites, those who did not have. So years one, years two, year four, and year five, they kept the tithe and ate it at the festival in Jerusalem. In year three and year six, they gave it away to the poor. Year seven, there was, no, there was no tithe because they didn't receive anything. They let the land rest. Okay? That is the tithing system. That is the tithing system that God set up for Israel. Now, several things. Uh, it's important to understand that the tithing system was based upon a temple being in Jerusalem. There has to be a temple. Because remember, the priest that they're giving the, the tithe to is there at the temple. So if there's no temple, then the tithing system changes. Now, there's not been a temple in 2,000 years, right? It was destroyed in AD 70, right? So what happens? Since there is no more temple, hmm? there's no priest. There are Levites, though, still, but no priests. So here's what the Jews do today. This is just a freebie. 
first fruits are separated. So the first thing that you get is separated and then it's buried. That food is buried to ensure that no one eats it. So they bury that tithe, right? Remember, that was an amount that you can choose. Minimum of 160th, of course, now. But that, that is now buried. The first tithe can still be given to a Levite. Or, since there's no temple, the owner can actually keep that tithe today. Okay? The second tithe. The portion that would have been eaten in Jerusalem is sold, and the owner can distribute it however he wants. So they take that crop, they sell it, whatever money they get, he's able to be a blessing to, you know, and give that away and distribute that however the owner determines and decides to do it. And year three and year six, they still must give it to the poor. So last year, which was a sixth year, they would have given this tithe still completely to the poor. Okay? So that is the story today, now that there is no temple happening. No, no temple in operation. Okay, so we're, we're just about done here. Um, so next week, we are going to look at the other, there are other tithe-like commandments. Forgiving. So we're going to look at the rest of the, they're not part of the tithe, but there are other giving things that God asked them to do. And we're going to look at those next week. We are also going to um, then look at giving in the New Testament next week. So we'll, we're going to start by looking at the rest of the tithing uh, commands that God gave them, not tithing, but giving commands that the Lord gave them. And then we'll look at tithing in the New Testament. Because although we know that it never says thou shalt tithe, it does give a lot of, there are numerous passages that give us some idea, like I gave you earlier with Jesus, um, with the with the, the loaves and bread. There are others that give a, give a sign of the tithing process and what they were doing. And it changed. So it's important for us to see this right? So next week, we're going to spend our time looking at that. And then the week after, we're going to say, okay, now let's build it back up. How should we be tithing today? What does that look like? Now, um, hopefully after tonight, you're beginning to see that the tithing process that we now teach is so far removed from what God originally gave. That's not to say that tithing is not applicable. It's just important that we understand that what it is we are doing and why we are doing it is, has nothing to do with what I just taught you. What I just gave you and what we're doing. So when we point to this system today and say we need to do this or we will not be blessed, because God laid it out for us, we're taking the scriptures way out of context. Because let's be real, there is no way that we can do what I just read, right? I mean, there's no way. There's no way we can do this. So even the Jews don't do this anymore. So we have to understand 
that what we have been, what people are telling, oh, well, the Lord tells us to tie and da da da, and He says you're not going to be blessed. And he, it's like, whoa, 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 wait. I mean, we don't do anything near what this is saying to do. We're not even close to it. So let's understand that what's happening today is they are trying to teach us, right? We're, we're, we are trying to teach, and, and let me, let me, I didn't say this up front, but let me say this now while well, I'm just thinking about it. I did this as well. I taught this incorrectly as well during my years of pastoring. I certainly heard, you know, I taught the way I was taught, did what I was told, and that's what I knew. So please, please understand that I am not in any way like becoming, you know, I'm not trying to point fingers to or be hard up because I know and understand that all of us have, have had incorrect training and teaching and understanding. That's why I'm taking the time to teach it because it's important that we get this right. Because remember, it's not about the tithing. That's not what I'm trying to get right. It is important that we get it right, but I'm not, what's, in, what's most important, what is most important is that we break the curse that people are li living under. We've got to break the spirit that people, the, the spirit of guilt and, and the, the, the lack of understanding and not being able to be free to know how to give and why I'm giving and, and putting things together in that manner. It's, it's huge. So it's important that we understand this. Um, to continue to do what we're doing would be nothing more than living out of the law. And we can no longer, we cannot live under this law. Why is it law? Because we're following a set of rules without understanding the heart and purpose intended. And that's why we're looking at this. When we get done, you're going to understand God's intention for giving so that you can give in faith with your whole heart because that's what God blesses. When we're in faith, when we know what we're doing and we understand it and we can have passion for it and we can do it out of a heart of gratitude and love, then the spirit of God comes and he blesses us and he ignites such favor. And that's the favor that I believe the Jews are living under today. I believe they are blessed because they are not living under the condemnation and the, and the challenges that the church is because of all the different things that we've been told and taught that are just, and sometimes I'm just saying ridiculous because I can tell you some things that I'm like, oh my goodness, where in the world did that come from? And so it's so important. It's so important for us that we understand that God has a desire to bless us he wants his children to walk in victory, to walk in healing, to walk in authority. And he wants us to be able to give in a method and in a way that brings freedom and joy. And so, um, honey, I know you and I, we've been doing this probably the last, I don't know, 15 years, 10, 10, 15 years. We have been living, and I can, I mean, I know our giving has changed completely. The way that we give, how we have been giving, uh, I know that I 
I literally am look for opportunities like how can we give more when I, I'm looking at ways that I can go. Um, maybe if we do this and we do that, maybe we can get another $25, another $50, we can bless, you know. And so I know that this is something that has completely um, changed our hearts it's, and, and changed the way in which we give because we now have a passion for giving. Like I, I know personally that I never have, but I know I watch you because a lot of it is that I, I give you act, you know, and I know I'm, I don't want to jump all the way ahead into a couple of weeks, but what we're going to talk about, but um, I know you play a big role because I've kind of, I kind of feel like you're more generous than I am. So you see things differently. You have a heart of, of passion better. I think more, I think God touches you in that area. So I've kind of given you that freedom to like, where should we be giving and how should we be, you know, and stuff. And so I feel like, you know, it could be a, I think it's a, it could be a, a huge breakthrough for people to be able to walk in healing and freedom, the joy, absolutely. I see you taking your mic off, but you, you, we, we still be able to hear you, hear you, but you're saying, but she's saying, you, you know, you don't have a, you know, you want to say again, you, you want a, a generosity, yeah. Do I, right, yes, because you, yes, you're so generous that you don't even ask that question, do I have enough? I mean, you're trying really to give more. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Amen. She's saying it's not the right hand knowing what the left hand is doing because you're simply, you're just blessing and, and wanting to be a blessing. And even when things come up, you don't even worry about those things because you know the Lord is taking care of it. And he does. He does. And we have watched this now um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in amazing ways. And so. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. She's talking about the fact of going over, you know, the 10% and thinking it's like, they don't even think that way anymore. It's just, this is the Lord's money. And I just want to be a blessing and you don't even stop to count it, and figure it out. You just bless it and you give it. And we're getting better and better and better at, at doing it. And I, when I'm obviously, when I say that, I just mean in the sense of, I just think that the generosity, your heart for generosity grows and you start finding new ways to give and be a blessing and you're not even concerned because it really doesn't, it doesn't really matter. You know, you're not, there's nothing that you're wanting to get because your, 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 your goal is, you know, you know, it's kind of like my goal is not a mansion on earth. My goal, my, my, my mansion's in heaven. So my goal here is how can I change the lives of people around me? And, uh, and so we're going to, you know, obviously we're, we're just giving you a, a, a glimpse of where we're going to go over the next couple of weeks. But, um, uh, be blessed, be encouraged. I want to just bless. Let me just pray. 
and I'll turn it over to brother uh, to, uh, to, to take, take us home here. So Father, I thank you. Lord, I know that tonight had a lot of detail and a lot of scripture and a lot of information, um, but Lord, I'm not sure if any of us has ever heard it before. So I know it's needed. And so oftentimes we don't dig into Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy enough to understand that everything that you put there was for us so that we could live our lives in, a, in the capacity to be a blessing to you. And so, Lord, I ask, you know, um, tonight that you would, if there, you know, whatever people are sensing and feeling and going through personally, Lord, and when it comes to their giving, Lord, I just pray right now that there would be a sense of your release of freedom and joy. Lord, I pray that right now that you would break any, uh, any senses of guilt and, uh, and those areas, Father. And I ask right now that you would give us a heart of compassion and passion for you and your kingdom and how we can live in, in your kingdom and, and be kingdom uh, tithers, kingdom givers, uh, people of generosity who are looking for ways to, to be charitable, Lord, to people and those around us in every way that we can, not just in our pocketbooks, Lord, but just in our times of praying for people, our times of, of encouraging people and talking with people and living and helping people, all of it, that our lives would, would just spring forth in that power so that we are looking to be a blessing, Lord, as we know you are a blessing to us, Lord. We love you. We love you. Thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for being so generous to us, Lord. We want to be generous to others, and we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. G-Talk is a ministry of Hope For You International, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can find us on the web at thankfultoday.com and gtalk.info. You can also find us on Facebook at The Thankful Today.